Good morning. I hope that your weekend is going well. My weekend has been absolutely bonkers crazy in the best kind of way. Uh, we took the youth ministry and a group of uh, adults down to Williamson, Kentucky to see the Ark Encounter yesterday. And we drove home last night and it was a really good time. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit. Before we get into the lesson, there's a few things I want to point out to you. In your bulletin inside, there is, uh, there's a, a little bit of information for the Hot Wheels rally. You'll notice the, the trophies up here, the coveted prizes, the wheels. Uh, nobody steal my wheels. I have to take two of them and put them on our other car this week. So, uh, please, they're expensive. Um, uh, also coming up on, on the back side of your bulletin on March 11th is the Bridge Cafe and there's information about that. Uh, be inviting your friends, bring them up there. They're gonna have St. Patrick's Day type food. It looks delicious. There's a lot of things going on in Greater Alton that I could stand up here and talk about to you guys, but that would take up way too much time. There's information in your bulletin on other things coming up. Woo! Commercial over. My name is Mike, if I didn't already say that. I'm really glad that you're all here this morning. I'm really glad we made it home. Uh, that, that was a, an adventure in of itself. We're in the, the middle of a sermon series called As For Me and My House. And we've been talking about family. We talk about family, uh, with God as a center of our family. Um, today, we're gonna be talking about building with my family. Now, uh, as you see, and I already said, we went to the Ark encounter. We got to see a representation of Noah's Ark. God planned it. Noah built it. I believe in it. We found this shirt there, and I was like, that shirt's perfect. I'm going to wear it in my sermon tomorrow. Um, I love it. And it's true. I believe that God planned it. Noah built it. And I believe it. It's huge. It's absolutely massive. God wants to do huge things through our families. And we're going to talk about that today. There's been a, a, a theme passage that we use in the sermon series, uh, Joshua 24:15, And it says... And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. We're in this series about the family. And some of you are like, Mike, I don't have a family. I'm a single guy. I'm a single girl. You're, you have family here. So it applies to all of us. This, this idea applies to all of us. And, and as the youth leader, youth minister, Cassie and I have had the privilege of seeing great families in this church. We've had the privilege of working alongside great families and seeing how God uses families and how God uses the family dynamic to to raise up godly children. You know, when I think of scripture and I think of families in the Bible, there's a lot of families that stand out to me that weren't really all that great. I think of uh, Adam and Eve. I mean, they're the first family and there's failure in that family. Noah, there's failure in Noah's family. Even though he's this righteous man, he's the only righteous man in this generation. He screws up. I think of uh, Abraham. Abraham screwed up. I think of Isaac and Jacob and Judah. I think of David and all these families that we would consider 
really messed up. But if I look at families that are successes, those same families come to mind. So I want to encourage you this morning, it's not too late, no matter what stage of life you're in, to start seeking after God and asking him to use your family, to build something great. It's not too late, because God can use you where you're at. Today we're going to focus on Noah. Because when you think of God building something, what do you think of? The ark, right? That's that's like the big story of God building something, using some, using a family to build something. Noah's story is found in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. And and we're not going to read three chapters of Scripture. I would love to, but you guys would hate me. You're like, Mike, we're still reading. Okay. But I, w- I want to tell you the story. I want to tell you the story. In Noah's generation, the entire world was evil and corrupt. Everyone did what they wanted. No one honored God. That sounds a lot like today to me, honestly. It feels like sometimes that no one loves the good. No one loves Jesus. No one wants to see good happen. Uh, To me, uh, maybe I'm the only one, but for me, it feels like everybody's evil. Just send another flood, send a plague, you know, kind of COVID. But let's... God, can you just send Jesus back now? Can we just be done with this world? This world was worse because I know of at least more than one person in this world that's righteous. But in Noah's generation, he's the only one. He's the only one that walked with God. He's the only one that loved God. So God says, Noah, I don't like what's happening. I'm going to wipe everyone out. I'm going to cleanse the earth. I'm going to send a flood So I'm going to need you and your sons to build a boat. And Noah said, okay. And they started working on a boat. Started building this giant ark. And God's like, I'm going to send animals to you. They're going to, they're going to be the animals that populate the world after the flood. And you're going to take care of them. He said, okay. God sends the animals. Noah and his sons build this ark. Animals go onto the ark. Noah and his family go on the ark. God sends rain and floods and he wipes out the face of the earth. Every living thing that was breathing and had flesh on the face of the earth that wasn't in the ark died. But scripture says God remembered Noah and his family and he took care of them. And they were in the ark for a while. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. But then there was like another 150 days after that. They were just in the boat. Finally, God sends a wind to push back the waters and, and create dry land. And the, and the boat comes to a rest Somewhere in Turkey, Mount Ararat. And, and we all know God, Noah sent out birds and they came back, but then he sent out a dove and it came back with an olive branch. He's like, oh, cool. And then he sent the dove back out and the dove didn't come back. That's when Noah knew it was okay to leave the ark. And Noah left the ark and his family left the ark and the animals left the ark and the world was new. It's the story of Noah. God saved humanity through one family. And through one family, God built this giant ark. You know, Noah's story is one of those stories I feel like everybody knows. Like, you might not be a Christian. You might not have ever read the Bible. But you know, like, Noah's ark. And David and Goliath. And the parting of the Red Sea. Because Charlton Heston. That's one of those stories, like, everybody knows. And, And throughout cultures, there is a flood story. Um, when we were at the ark yesterday, there was a whole room of flood stories, flood legends from different cultures. 
It's not just Noah's Ark and Gilgamesh. There's a whole mess of them. But Noah's Ark is the one I believe. And the one I think we have the most proof of. God wants to use you. He wants to, he wants to use you like he used Noah to build something great. In Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, it says this about how God felt about Noah. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me. God used Noah because he was righteous before him. Um, righteous is a big word that we use now religiously. And sometimes I, I think we just use it and we don't think about what it means. Righteous is a right and wise way of living according to God in this context. You can be self-righteous, which is a right and wise way of living according to yourself. You can be worldly righteous, which is a right and wise way of living according to the world. But I feel, and, and I think scripture will back me up, that the godly righteousness is the best way to live. Because God created us. He knows what we need. He knows how we're supposed to live. It was his design. And, and today, we're going to talk about how God wants to build through our family. But if I want God to build through my family... There's a few things that are required of me first. If I want God to use my family, I must seek him first. First and foremost, I need to seek God first. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Just like Noah. Just like Noah. If I want God to build through my family... I have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want his will done on earth. If I want God to use my family, I, as the dad, as the parent, need to lead my family and let them see me seeking God first. How do I know Noah did this? Well, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. It's a really simple sentence. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. I cannot say that I am blameless in my generation. Can you? I can't. But Noah walked with God. I can say that I walk with God. First and foremost, that is the first and foremost thing in my life, in my day, is I seek God and his counsel. I want to know what his word says. I want to know what he wants me to do that day, that week, that month, in my life. And we talk to our girls about it too, but I have to do it first. I have to be the one to seek first. If I want God to use my family, I need to seek him first. I need to know him and his desires The second thing, if I want God to build through my family first, I must rely on him. I can't just do it myself in my own ways. Back in Matthew chapter 6, it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food 
and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There are days where I'm not relying on God. And those days where I struggle with relying on God, I'm anxious. I get nervous. I'm worried about money. I'm worried about whether the car's going to make it home. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And those days where I'm not relying on God, those are hard days. And I'm not saying that the days that I rely on God are necessarily easy, but it's different, right? It hits different. Uh, it feels different. Like, it's really hard to describe. But those of you who know what I'm saying, you know. Like, those of us in the know, know. When you rely on God... Those hard days, there's a peace about them. This weekend, I had to rely on God. <laughs> uh, we had some fun. What? Okay, so you can't go on a trip and not expect hiccups, right? Right, John? John and Elena left 15 minutes after the rest of the group Friday night. They got to the hotel five and a half hours after the group. Saturday morning. It was a long night for all of us. Um, it was, but we made it. We made it. And had we waited for them or had they, there was a chance we would have been in that car accident. But God took care of us. We, <laughs> it sounds silly. It sounds silly, but it's not. And then yesterday, on our way home, I was frustrated. Because our van got a flat tire. It's our rental van. There was no tools to change because somebody didn't put the tools back. And it's not my van. And I got my tools out of the car. Luckily, my lug nut wrench fit the lug nuts on the van. And my jack fit the jack on the van. And it was great. But then you couldn't get the spare out. And, and I'm, Sydney and I are walking up and down looking for scraps like some hobo picking up junk on the side of the highway. Just trying to shove it in this hole to get the, the spare out. And I'm like... And I just had to walk, and I just started walking. And Sydney's praying because she's way better at spirituality than I am. And she's like, "Jesus, I'm calling fire down on this bolt. Let this tire come down." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna find something." And all of a sudden, Sydney goes, "It's turning. John's got it turning." I'm like, "Keep praying." <laughs> and John Chapel shoved a circle ratchet into a square hole and got it to work. We were only on the side of the road for an hour. My wife was on the phone with roadside assistance, and you could hear her yelling at them over the sound of the traffic, which wasn't moving over, by the way. I had to rely on God. 
We all had to rely on God yesterday. It was an experience, and we got home safe. That sounds really silly, and it's a funny story now, but... But there are times in life where I just have to rely on God. If I want Him to work in my family, I have to rely on God. There have been times in, in our children growing up where, full disclosure, my daughter Kara is only alive because of God. <laughs> Not that I would have killed her, but that she would have done something that injured herself and she could have died. That happened here. Twice. Only because of God. I have to rely on God, and that was a struggle for me. I'm spending a lot of time on this point, because this is the one I'm weakest at. That was a struggle for me for the longest time. After we lost Blythe's twin, I didn't rely on God for my, to take care of my kids. That's a full disclosure right here. I'm not perfect. It's a struggle. I have to rely on God. If I want Him to work in my family, I have to be reliant on Him. And just... Like that, Noah was relying on God. Genesis chapter 6, 17 through 18. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Obviously, Noah did not rely on his own understanding. There was no way he could have built that ark. Just yesterday seeing how they assembled it. There's no way some country bumpkin could have built that without help. Just seeing how, like, their, their thoughts on how they got things to work in the ark. No way he did that on his own. And on top of all of that, a lot of people believe Noah didn't even know what rain was. Because earlier in Genesis it said the Lord had not yet caused it to rain on the surface of the earth. I put that out and say a lot of people preach that. I don't know where I stand on that. I'm reading both sides of the argument. But there's a good argument that Noah didn't know what rain was. And he built an ark. He relied on God. Are we relying on God? How often do I do things my way instead of seeking out the will and desires of the God that I say I believe in? I have to believe that God will provide for my family and myself and that I need to do His will. A, a third thing, a third thing, if I want God to build through my family first, there's things I need to do. The third one is I must trust in His plan. I separate that from rely on Him. I can rely on God and not know His plan. But once I know His plan, I have to trust in His plan. Or better yet, I have to believe he has a plan. I must trust in his plan. <sighs> Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. If I trust in God's plan, it will bring healing and refreshment. Remember that peace that I said I couldn't quite describe a few minutes ago? 
the writer in Proverbs is trying to describe that peace. If I trust the Lord's plan, it will bring healing and refreshment. That's insane to me. It's, it's just weird. Like, it's counterintuitive to me. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one that's counterintuitive too, but I have to rely on God, but I also have to trust in his plan. And sometimes his plan doesn't make sense. Like building a boat in the middle of nowhere when you don't even know what rain is. Okay, in studying for this, I'm learning... Oh, back in the day, I used to hear like Alan and Gary and Tim talk about all the stuff they're learning as they read. And I'm like, you've read it all before. How are you learning new stuff? And now I'm at that point in my life where I'm reading... And I'm learning new stuff, and God's teaching me more, and I'm like, what? And so I'm reading this, and there's some podcasts that Sydney turned me on to that, like, whoa, it's a lot to chew on. But I'm just simply reading the story, because, you know, you get so well acquainted with a story, you miss stuff. And I'm just reading scripture. I'm not even doing the deep dive yet. I'm just reading scripture. And in uh, in Genesis chapter 7, uh, 1, and then 4 through 5, I'm reading it, and something stands out to me. It says, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. For in seven days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I've made will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. I had the in seven days underlined, because I don't know about you guys, but when I thought of Noah's ark, when did Noah go on the boat? He got on the boat when it started raining. Oh, it's raining. I better get on. That's not what scripture teaches. God said, get on the boat. In a week, it's going to start raining. Get on the boat, because it's going to flood. But it's not going to start raining and flooding for seven days. I don't know about you, but if I was Noah, again, this is me. I'd have trouble staying on that boat. God, it, it's pretty nice outside. Are you, are you sure I'm supposed to be on this boat? It's still on dry land. Um, are we sure this is happening? Think about the people around him. Growing up, we taught the, we taught the story like the people made fun of him for building the boat. He's on the boat for seven days before it even started raining. What were they saying then? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that just, that astounds me. In seven days. Noah trusted the plan. And I keep noticing phrases in the whole story. If you go back and read it, tell me if you notice these phrases. I keep noticing, uh, Noah did all that God commanded him. That keeps showing up. I wonder if that's important. Noah did all that God commanded him. He trusts the plan. God said jump and Noah did. God said get on the boat. And Noah did. What? What? Oh my gosh. I, don't, I, I hope reading scripture excites you guys. Because it, it, it excites me. I'm reading through numbers right now. Not the most exciting book of the Bible. But... I still get excited about it.
Noah's faith looked insane to the people around him. Doesn't, does the scripture say something like the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing? Hmm. Should my faith look as insane to the people around me as Noah's did to the people of his day? If I trust in God's plan? Is your faith insane to those around you? You see, my family, if I want God to build through my family, my family needs to be my primary ministry. Yes, I'm the youth leader and youth minister. Yes, I have an adult group, but my family should be my primary ministry. That's where my focus needs to be. Not the youth ministry, not the adult group. And if I expect God to use my family to build something, I need to treat it as such. This emphasis on family is going to take time. This emphasis on family is going to take work. Did you know that scholars believe it took Noah between 55 and 70 years, most land on the 75-year end of the spectrum, to build the ark? 75 years to build the ark. We are given 20-ish years with our children. A little less, a little more. We're given 20-ish years with our children under our, under our roofs. You're given 20-ish years with your nieces and nephews. What are we doing with it? And again, I've had the privilege of having a front row seat watching many of you raise your children. And I've seen what does and doesn't work. I've had that privilege. I say privilege. I've seen many of you work really hard as parents just to have your hearts broken. I've seen many of you work really hard as parents and be successful. And I'm not saying those of you who have had your heart broken are in this. It's, it, I'm not saying it's your fault. Don't hear that. I am saying that ultimately our kids have to choose. Our family has to choose. And I need to make sure that I am doing as much as I can for my daughters so that when the time comes for them to choose, that they make the right choice. And again, that's on them, but I want to set them up for success. If I want God to build through my family, I see a few things in the lives of the people that I've been able to watch and in the lives of Scripture that foster that growth. God will build through my family when, one, we worship together. When we worship together. How many of you work on stuff with your children? I work on stuff with my kids. And I can only imagine that Noah is working on the ark with his sons, right? That's just, that's the family business. His sons would have helped him. Are we in silence when we work with our kids? <laughs> no. Uh, sometimes there's yelling and screaming and crying. And then Blythe and Cara leave me alone because I'm yelling and screaming and crying. But, but for the most part, we're explaining what we're doing. We're teaching. I don't know about you, but I can't work without music. Um, even at work where I can't listen to music, I have music playing in my head. Um, I have to have music playing and, and there, I have a go-to set of music and a lot of the time we'll be doing stuff and I'm listening to an artist called KB. He's a Christian rap artist and I'll get really excited about some lyrics and we'll start talking about lyrics and we'll talk about what's going on. We'll talk about life and we'll talk about Jesus and we'll talk about God. And all of a sudden I forgot what I'm doing and we're not working on the car anymore. We're talking about Jesus and that's okay. That's worship. Yes. What we do here is worship. But worship needs to happen outside of here too. 
When, when we worship with our family, we're praising God. We're reminding ourselves of all the awesome that he has done. We're, we're, we're looking forward to what he's going to do. I'm so encouraged by singing here with all of you on Sunday mornings. This morning I was in the back praying and going over notes and just listening to you all sing. You're like, well, uh, not all of us can sing well, but everybody makes a joyful noise. I've noticed that, and it's really good. It's really good, this corporate worship. As a family, this idea of worship is really important. And if I want God to build through my family, I need to be worshiping with my kids, with my nieces and nephews, with my family. Because it's going to remind us, it's going to, it's going to show us things about God. In scripture, at one point the Pharisees are upset with Jesus, so they start pointing stuff out. And in Matthew 21, verses 15 through 16, it says, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? It's so important to get our kids to worship. It's so important to be worshiping with our kids. And not to not stop them. Yeah, don't let them run around crazy during service. But I'm so glad the kids are here for the first couple of songs. Just seeing over here in the corner all the little kids that are jumping around and really excited to be singing. Yes, sometimes it gets a little crazy. But that's a good thing, right? They're loving on Jesus. And they're excited to be singing. They're excited to be worshiping. We need to foster that in our family. It's important to build this culture of worship. It was, it's biblical. Biblical families worship together. I love looking at the chosen. I love watching the chosen and seeing how, uh, these families just, they, they worship together. Uh, talking about like the festivals and stuff and all of a sudden they'll just, they'll just break out in song. It's so cool to see that. And I want that in my own family. I'm not always the best. I'm not always happy and joyful and full of energy. I'm a grump sometimes. And and when I'm a grump, my children notice it. And I'm not fostering that, that culture of worship in my family's, family's lives. Worshiping God will bring the power of God to the minds of our families and encourage them to trust and rely on our Creator. So if I want God to build through my family, I need to worship with my family. You're like, Mike, step one to building an ark is worship Jesus? Well, yes. I can't. Th- this is just what I see that works. Families that worship together build things together. And I'm not talking like a, a house or a car. I'm talking spiritual building. A foundation. The second thing I notice about families who are successful... If I want God to build through my family, God's going to build through it when we read together. Uh, recently, my wife asked us to start doing this amazing thing that I've, I've grown fond of. Um, sometimes it's, it's like pulling teeth, but we're going to keep doing it. Is that we read a psalm at dinner time. Uh, the middle schoolers are reading through the book of Psalms, so we're like, why don't we just do it as a family and discuss it over dinner? So we'll read a psalm. And for the most part, psalms are really short and really good. And and so it doesn't take much time at all. But we're reading scripture at the dinner table. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Do we put an emphasis on God's word that much? I just said I just started reading a psalm with my children at dinner. I'm not writing them on their foreheads. I'm not writing it on their arms. I'm not writing it on their doorposts. I'm not giving them pieces of paper as they go out the door. Here, take this with you. You might need it. I'm just reading scripture at dinner. But do I have an emphasis on God's word? Because how can I expect God to build through my family when we don't even know what he's saying? But Mike, Noah didn't have scripture. You're right. Noah didn't have scripture, but he had God's word. Genesis 9-1 says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 9-8, then God said to Noah and his sons with him. Kind of jealous. God audibly spoke to Noah. That would make, that would make life so much easier if I could just like, all right, what do you want me to do? I want you to go that way. Holy cow. Did you hear that? <laughs> That'd be so nice. But, but God has spoken to us. And God has sent His Spirit to us. We have God's Spirit living in us as Christians. We have the urges and the promptings of the Spirit. And let me tell you what, sometimes that urging and prompting is louder than an audible voice. I, I've joked around with you guys, and it's not necessarily a joke. Sometimes God has to slap me upside the back of the head, and it feels like God has slapped me upside the back of the head because God knows how to speak to me. God speaks in pain. God speaks in pleasure. God speaks in the quiet times. God speaks in the loud times. God speaks to us. We just have to listen. We need to be students of his word. We need to make sure we're around people who love him and know his desires. God will speak to us. Do I know God's word? Am I teaching it to my family? It's one thing for Discovery Land to be teaching our children. I am so grateful for Discovery Land. Even now that my kids aren't back there, I am grateful for Discovery Land because I see the excitement it brings to the whole church. I'm excited about them teaching the kids God's word. I'm excited about our youth ministry teaching the kids God's word. I'm excited about the middle schoolers going through the book of Psalms and how excited they've been reading through books of scripture. I think my middle schoolers have read more complete books of scripture in the past year than a lot of us here i i'm excited about trying to get the high schoolers to read scripture i'm excited about that but ultimately for my family it is my job to teach them scripture all of these ministries that we have are helpers if i want god to build something through my family, I have to be the one teaching them what God says. And that is really hard sometimes. Sometimes it's so much easier. Just like teaching our kids math. Go to school. I'm not teaching you math. Go to school. That's why, that's why I pay taxes. It's so easy for somebody else to teach my children scripture. But God did not say, send your kids to Sunday school to learn scripture. God said, teach your children 
write it on the doorposts, put it between their eyes, send it with them every day. That is challenging. That's challenging. I want my family to know the word of the Lord. I want them to see his plan and to know that he wants to use us as a family. And I find it encouraging that God believes in me. I find it encouraging that God believes in me enough to trust me with Blythe and Kara. <laughs> I, I do. He trusts me to teach them. He trusts me to guide them and to raise them along with Cassie. It's not just me. Got to make sure I say along with Cassie. How can I expect that to happen if I'm not making his word a priority in my own life and the lives of my family? I cannot expect the kingdom to be built through us if I don't even know his word. So if I want God to build something great, I need to know what he's saying. And, and the last thing, if I want God to build something great through my family, he will when we serve together. Now, before I go into this point, some of you might be thinking, Mike, you didn't give me a specific instruction on how God is going to build through my family. And you are right. I did not say, go three blocks east, west, go three blocks west, turn right, and then go to the park, and there'll be a guy named Jeff, and you're going to talk to him, and he's going to help. No, I'm, there's nothing specific here, because your family and your family is different than my family. I'm just giving you things that I have seen over the last 20 years of coming to Greater Alton of what great families have done and what things that slipped through the cracks of other families where they struggled. And, and these three things are three emphasis, emphases that we put in our own lives to foster growth and to foster God's kingdom in our daughter's lives. And this this third point, we serve together, is something that we have done with our daughters since they could walk. That's not even true. Since they were born. We serve together. It's not just mom and dad doing the serving. It's all of us. Psalms 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Would you ask yourself a question? Does my family... Not that question. <laughs> Does my family serve together outside of this building? See, our girls serve with us. Ever since they were little, they have been with us when we go to do some type of serving. Uh, they went to camp as infants. And they were with us at camp serving. They have gone on, uh, they've gone doing mission work, um, in the area in, in St. Louis. They have worked alongside of us as much as they could. Because, yeah, they can't, Car cannot pick up the same type of stuff I can pick up. I know that. Each of us have our own roles. But they need to see us working. And they need to see us serving. And they need to be involved in the serving. Anytime there's like a canned food drive or, or something like that, the girls have it in their mind. I need to help. We have talked to our daughters um, about how to serve their friends and about how to serve the people around them. Are you developing a spirit of service in your family? God uses serving hearts. There's a humility and a willingness associated with service. 
They aren't doing what they do to bring glory to their own name. They want to glorify the name of God. And I have seen and worked with men and women who are amazing servants. And that idea of service spills into their family. I've seen so many. There are people in this church right now who are serving. Because when they were the little kids running around, tripping us all up, their parents were serving. And their parents were sold out for Jesus. And now these young men and women are here serving. I think of people who have been in the youth ministry since I've been youth ministers here. And they've come up and I've watched them grow from junior high to high school. They've gone through college. And now they're helping me change a tire on the side of the road. I, I see it's you don't understand the impact of serving with your children has. They get to see your heart. They get to see your love for God. They get to see you glorify your Father in heaven. You have taught your family the value of service. And you have, you have built something through your family for God. And I want to continue that. I want to do that with my girls. Are we serving? And not just in this building. Are we serving outside this building? When, when I told you a minute ago, we teach our daughters how to serve their friends. We've, we have specifically talked with our kids since they were knee high to a grasshopper that, uh, you need to be a friend to the friendless. That is an act of service. You need to be a friend to the friendless because growing up is hard. And there are people who are on the fringes who are being left out. And we've talked to our girls about being a friend to the friendless. We've talked to our girls about being open about what they believe. Even that, that brings problems. That, that brings conflict. Um, just yesterday, my daughter pointed to a shirt. I'm like, I'll buy you that shirt, but I'm just going to let you know you're going to start a fight with that shirt. She goes, no, I'm just pointing it to it because that's the size I want. I'm like, oh, but we need to talk about this now. And it was Noah's Ark with a rainbow of it above it and it said the real reason there are rainbows and i said i will buy you that shirt and i will encourage you to wear school but you're going to have a fight she's like no i like this other one with a rainbow and then she ended up not getting that one she got a blueprint that's a whole nother story but but she's like i would totally wear that I'm like i know you would and it's not car it's blythe so just <laughs> she's like i would wear it but we encourage our daughters to be a friend of the friendless. We encourage our daughters to be friends and loving to people that wouldn't come to church. There are people in, I'm just going to use student council. There are people in student council who don't have the same morality that my daughters do. Yet they're really good friends. And I encourage that. I encourage that. Yes, love that person, even though that young man loves boys. Love that young girl, even though she loves girls. Love them. God loves them. You should love them. You should be their friend. I'm not telling you to stay away from that. I'm telling you to be a friend to them. Show them Jesus' love. Do you know how hard that is for a middle schooler? That's hard for a 40-year-old. And I don't care what people think of me. They're still dealing with what people think of them. There's two people in all of creation I care what think about me. Cassie and Jesus. After that, I don't care. I could offend you. As long as I'm speaking what Jesus wants me to speak, I'm good. I'm good. 
But they're middle schoolers dealing with all And they're dealing with stuff in middle school I didn't deal with until my 20s. Ugh, the world is stupid. But we can show Jesus' love by being servants. And again, I'm not giving you specifics on how to build something in your family or how God wants to build something in your family. I'm saying God does want to build something through your family. And these are just little steps you can take to promote building in your family. But here's the real question. Here's the real question. Yes, that question. Here is the question. Do I want God to build through my family? You see, it's it's one thing to say God can build through my family, but do I want God to build through my family? Do I have that desire to do the will of God and see something happen? Because I'm going to tell you this, it's hard, it is sometimes painful, and it downright sucks sometimes. But it is the absolute best thing. It is the absolute best thing. Whew, I didn't expect to get emotional. I have seen God work in families. I am seeing God work in families. And I am seeing fruit come from people trusting God and relying on God. Loving God, worshiping with their family, reading scripture. There is growth happening. I, I was joking around this morning. This weekend was amazing, but I describe it like the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Aslan is on the move. God is moving. I can't tell you what he's doing right now, but it's happening because the witch hates it. Does that make sense? Stuff is happening. God is working. God is building. I can't tell you specifics of where. I know what's happening, though. I see it. The ice is melting. And God wants to use your family to do that. God wants to use your family for great things. Matthew chapter 6, 9 and 10. I want to pray this overview. I want you to pray this in your family. I want you to focus on this and think about what it actually says. Jesus tells us, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you want God to work in your family? This prayer is a dangerous prayer. You are asking God to meddle in your stuff. To change your culture. To change who you are. To continually mold you and sculpt you into the person he knows you can be. And then that will flow into your family. And your family's culture will be meddled with. And your family will be shaped and changed into what God knows it can be to glorify Him and advance His kingdom and to do His will. But God is a gentleman and He will not force you to do it. He wants to. He wants to work in your life. But you have to let Him. You have to allow him to work in your life. You see, there's a prayer card in your bulletin. And in it, you can ask for prayer. You can, you, uh, our prayer team prays over each, each card. And it's anonymous. If you have something that you need prayed for, but 
You don't want everybody, nobody talks about what's on the prayer cards. We don't like, hey, did you see this? It's between you and God and the prayer team and God, and they pray over every prayer card. There's, there's some boxes you can check. There's some things you can ask for. Bible study, uh, you're interested in baptism and becoming a Christian. There, there's things you can check. You can write on the side, hey, I need help with this. I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know how to do what Mike was talking about. Can, can somebody sit down and, and talk to me about that? And you could write that down on the prayer card and somebody will be in contact with you about it. I want to encourage you today. Make, you can start today to make the decision to put God at the center of your house, in the center of your home, if you haven't yet. And if you have, you can move forward today in building the kingdom of heaven in your own home. Because it's so amazing to see God build something huge. The ark was huge. And in reading about it, it wasn't even like as big as it could have been. Like they used the conservative cubit. So it could have been even bigger than what we saw. The kingdom of heaven is bigger than the ark. God wants to build something huge in your family that lasts. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to, we're going to close up worship with a song. This week, seek God. Seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of your needs will be given to you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for providing energy, your spirit, your people, even coffee, Father. Thank you for coffee. Thank you for today. Thank you for this place, this family you've given us. I, I am so glad I have my family here. I'm so glad you've given me that family, but I am also glad you've given me this family, Father. My daughters have more aunts and uncles than I have brothers and sisters. You have provided so much for us. I pray that in each family here that is represented, that we can build your kingdom in our homes. And that because your kingdom is being built in our homes, your kingdom will be advanced in this world and darkness will be pushed back and your light will flow out from this place, Father. You want to see all come to you and I am so glad for that, Father. I am so glad that you love us like that. I want to pray for the parents right now who are struggling, Father. They're, they're at the end of the rope at times, Father. I want, to, I want to pray for strength for them, Father. This world is hard to parent in. And I know it's always been hard to parent in. I just, there are things our kids deal with today that I, I was an adult father. And I don't, I, I don't want that to happen in our kids' lives. I don't want them to have to deal with that. I want them to stay innocent for as long as possible. But that's not the way this world is working, Father. I pray you give us wisdom and strength and patience and gentleness. Just pour out all the Spirit's, uh, gifts on us, Father. Give us wisdom. Help us to rely on you, to trust in your plan. Help us to serve you, Father. You are amazing, and I am so blessed to be your child. Help us to remember you this week as we get back into life, Father. I love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. I'm giving you my heart and all that is within. 
I lay it all down for the sake of you, my King. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life. And I, I surrender all to you. Sake of you, my King. 